Oh my God. Did the Messiah... Lord, Egan. Did Electric Jesus just admit that Tesla's batteries were as fallible as everyone else's? Going incrementally in pants poopy over time, losing range? Details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap <laughs> for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card, which will be kind of, you know, up there now, dude. Except, of course, in the unlikely event that I forgot to plug in and recharge last night. A plague of demonstrator Model 3s has been spotted rolling out across America. Range figures may be up to 12% lower due to battery age. Learn more. This is both grotesque and fascinating. <coughs> Think you'd agree? Kind of like Stormy Daniels. Like, you can't look away. It's apparently not just one car either that fell into the cesspit of online marketing because, you know, we got the intern to post it while we took delivery of a new supply of in-house pharmaceuticals. I mean, had a production meeting or something. It's not that at all. A dude named Seth Horowitz recently had a tweet fest about all of this, probably while he should have been working from home. And this appears to be whence the story actually broke. Mr Horowitz found examples just like this with the Mr Puniverse range disclaimer in Denver, LA, Miami, Portland and even America's Tasmania, Hawaii. Of all the car makers, of course, Tesla is my absolute favourite. And of all the car maker CEOs... The Lord, like, he's the best. And what sealed this for me wasn't that there was a messy but entertaining submarine business in Thailand or faking out investors about going private or even hilariously losing that CIA spy satellite before smoking that spliff with Joe Rogan. Floating in a most peculiar way and the stars look very different today. Or words to that effect. What made Mr. Musk Deity 6 for me was the thousands of Cybertrucks and Tesla semis out there deployed, running around on the roads right now, today. And the Messiah made them all invisible. That's properly miraculous. All you have to do is believe. Isn't this always the way? Shout out to Mike Van Overbeek for that awesome concept in the comments. Hashtag respect. Thank you, Mike. The faithful are incredibly forgiving, of course, when it comes to what they'll swallow about Tesla. A dude sent me quite a detailed email recently about how genius Elon really is. And this was all based on the premise of him sitting down one day in his office at Stark Industries and designing the Giga Press and getting it all into production all over the world, which would be an awesome achievement. And the Giga Press is an amazing piece of engineering, no doubt. 80 kilo molten aluminium hotshot, six to eight tons of clamping force and a 90 second cycle time. 
That's just awesome. So it actually pained me to point out to dude that the Gigapress was in fact developed by an Italian engineering company called the IDRA Group, which is owned by a Chinese engineering consortium headquartered in Hong Kong. It's been in their catalogue since 2018, and anyone can buy one. That's how Tesla got theirs, and of course, these are called facts. These gigapresses, right, they're not the kinds of machines you can buy off the rack at Bunnings or something. They have to be tailor-made. And if you want one, you should expect a team of IDRA Group engineers to descend upon your premises and stay until about lunchtime setting things up in about 2024. But you can believe what you want, obviously, about Tesla or anything else. You can believe that Tesla has some miraculously exclusive battery technology. It doesn't. Battery chemistry is a completely level playing field, commercially and technically. Nothing new on the cusp of deployment there in productionville. The batteries in Yo, Makita or Milwaukee power tools are essentially the same as the batteries in Yo Tesla, only, you know, smaller and less expensive in the power tool, obviously, and modular, like you can pull them out, which is pretty clever, and I wish you could do that easily and interchange them in vehicles. So anyway, when I saw that warning about 12% lower range and the prick tease about learning more, I had no choice. I felt compelled to do what any self-respecting motoring journalist would do. I removed my trousers and I prepared to learn more. This vehicle was built with a battery pack manufactured as early as 2017. While this pack was brand new when the vehicle was built, the cells have reduced capacity due to their age and you can expect up to 12% reduction in range from current production specifications. Leaving aside the politics of sexing up vehicles as purportedly new when in fact they have up to 1600Ks on the clock and were presumably used as demonstrators, why is the battery pack on these cars that old? Like 2017, Jesus, it's nearly 2022. And how can the pack be that old if the car is that new? Like if it's a 2021 model. What I'm saying is if the battery pack was, quote, brand new when the vehicle was built, then the car was built in 2017. So how the flying spaghetti monster, can it be a 2021 model? To me, that just does not compute. That's a real hurdle. If GM or Ford tried that, I'd suggest, there would be a public outcry. The palatability of bullshit is certainly not a level playing field, commercially. And if those cars are demonstrators, it's a hell of an age for a demonstrator. Can you imagine how many self-righteous vegans have farted in these cars while test driving since frigging 2017? How would you ever get the lentil curry smell out? Like, imagine parking in the sun on a frigging hot day. Anywho, Elon moves in mysterious ways, including the Hyperloop. It's coming. Another typically unanswered question is, why is Tesla sitting on battery packs which are four to five years old? Like last time I looked, the bullshit rhetoric from them was 
it's all good, demand for our vehicles grossly outstripping supply, we're struggling to keep up. And frankly, this is not the same kind of thing as having a bunch of headlamps left over from 2017. It's just not. It's the single most expensive component in the car and it degrades over time. So why store them for any great length? What strikes me here as even more relevant is 12% reduction in range over four years on cars that have driven fewer than 2,000 Ks, right? Is that just part of the ownership experience or what? Tesla offers an eight-year, 100,000-mile warranty on batteries in the US with a cutoff of 70% charge retention capacity. So if you lose more than 30% of the range within eight years or 100,000 miles, they will replace the battery under warranty. But with these specific cars, is it eight years from now or from 2017 for the warranty? And is it 70% or is it 70% of 100% minus up to 12%? All of a sudden, my brain is starting to bleed and I'm pretty sure I'm not alone on that. Let me know in the comments, right? If you're an EV owner, what's your range reduction experience actually been? over time. Let me know the kind of car you drive and the way you use it, how often you do those rapid charges and things of that nature. It would be fascinating to learn what actual owners experience out there long term in service today. Shitbox Nissan Leaf was especially bad owing to poor, meaning non-existent, thermal management of the battery. So well done there, Nissan R&D geniuses. And subscribe to this frankly awesome YouTube channel. Do it now, dude. The better that I may inflict myself upon you far more often. You want this more than me, admit it. You just have to admit it and act. Like, how hard can it be? The second aspect to all of this, of course, is that all manufacturers of EVs are in a range war. Range is such a big deal with EVs, and manufacturers make these grandiose claims, like mine's bigger than yours, dude, kind of thing, in the brochures and everywhere else. And this is such a big deal for buyers, right? Especially first-time EV buyers, because they're moving out of combustion where range is practically unlimited, because you can fill up anywhere in just minutes, right? And they're coming down to half the range of a full tank of liquid hydrocarbons or something of that nature. So in this environment of range hyper-competitiveness and hyper-sensitivity, it is unreasonable, I think, to lead consumers along on the expectation of, say, 500 Ks per charge, and yet also remain deafeningly silent on the gradual or... <laughs> maybe not so gradual, reduction in range over time because that's what's happening right now. And it's laying the foundations for gross disappointment, isn't it? Here's the thing, right? If I go into the EV ownership deal expecting 500 Ks because that's what the manufacturer tells me that I am going to get, and I find, I don't know, some shiny new EV under the friggin' tree on the 25th of December, and I get 500 Ks out of it per charge, at least initially, then okay. But what happens by, say, Christmas 2025 or something, when the range might be down to 400 Ks or something of that nature, and the car is still under warranty? 
You would not accept that kind of reduction in many other critical aspects of any car's performance. For example, stopping distance or airbag deployment or even headlamp brightness or seating capacity. Like I bought a Carnival and it was an eight-seater, but now 6.9. You just would not accept that, right? It's preposterous. So if this reduction in range comes as a complete shock to you, like out of left field, you are going to be miffed and not a little bit. You're going to be seriously miffed, right? But if the manufacturer were just honest with you about that aspect of owning it up front, like, dude, just so you know, there are limitations on battery chemistry and range is going to reduce over time and that's going to depend on a number of operational factors such as the number of fast charges that you do and the way in which you use the car generally, but we think you'll lose 3 to 5% ballpark per year over the term of the warranty. If they just said that to you up front, openly and honestly, then you would know exactly what you're in for. It's like, dude, I'm wearing a wonder bra, just so you know. <laughs> Before you buy me another 20 drinks, right? Then you can make an informed choice. Like, yeah, this is right for me, I'm going to proceed. Or no, I don't think so. Thanks for letting me know. Because that's what's happening right now with EVs, right? With EVs, the range is up there. It's up in lights and they're all doing it. There are like 10 Tiffany's in sequined bikinis and feather boas whispering suggestively in your ear about how tantalisingly close to 500 k's they will take you. Just put your credit card down here, dude. But at best, the reality of incremental range reduction is buried in some asshole lawyer's four-point Helvetica condensed extra light frigging footnote right up the back of the brochure, if it's there at all. Let me know in the comments, do we need to rethink how the range of EVs and battery performance over time is presented to consumers? Does this kind of thing need to be mandated and monitored? I know it's a big ask for a car maker, right? To be upfront about a critical aspect of vehicle performance over time, a critically negative aspect. If it's a power tool, like, not such a big deal. 200 tech screws today, brand new, out of the box, on a full charge, 185 or something next Christmas. Like, who really cares? The batteries pop out, you've got two, one's on the charger, they're a hundred bucks a throw if you need to replace them, right? If it's a six to 10 year old EV, replacement is major surgery and the new battery is likely to cost more than the vehicle is worth if it's not covered under warranty. And then there's the effect of this range atrophy on resale value, right? Which has yet to be quantified by the market, but it will not be pretty. Alternatively, should you just suck this up as a consumer? Like, sure, it got 500Ks new, but it's 10 years old now, and I'm lucky to get 200 or 250 out of it on a really good day. But I love my half-dead EV regardless. Yes, doing the right thing. Let me know where you sit on this in the comments feed below. And now, a little bit of Christmas cheer. See, in the olden days, before Wilbur and Orville got off the deck, people actually used to believe that heaven was literally 
in the clouds, which were most inaccessible, and therefore that made complete sense at the time. And because heaven was so boring, like all clouds and friggin' endless harp music and wall-to-wall self-righteous assholes, one of the main forms of recreation was going for a little stroll to the edge of the clouds and then looking down upon the torment of the damned. I'm not kidding. Mainly because there's nothing the self-righteous asshole likes more than seeing a less virtuous person suffer, typically. So, with this in mind, let us all stroll to the edge of the clouds right now and look down with trousered TP delight upon some poor sap's unfortunate automotive suffering today, shall we? I do find this kind of thing most entertaining. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's the best. Today's poor sap is a dude named Matt. Oh, John, thanks for your content over the past year. If you could please accept this humble picture of me van as this year's gift. It didn't know what to get you then. Surprise, surprise. This afternoon, Dub Dub comes through with the goods. I think this picture represents a great metaphor for 2021. I'm looking forward to a discussion in the morning with me dub-dub dealer over a five-grand door mechanism. V-dub's version of Merry Christmas. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for taking the time. You know you have brought this upon yourself, right? You marched into the dealer some time ago and you bought a Volkswagen, presumably without a gun in your grill. The fact that it has betrayed you in the lead up to Christmas just three days out is, of course, impossibly uplifting and entertaining. And I thought this would be grossly selfish of me if I just kept it to myself. All this joy. I want as many people as possible to delight in your suffering, dude, at this otherwise confronting time of the year. Thank you. You've softened Christmas up quite a bit, not just for me, but for others as well. And Thank you to Volkswagen also for effectively making this segment possible owing to their unwavering commitment to public surprise and delight. I know you are an atheist, John, but nevertheless, I wish you and your family a safe and wonderful Christmas. This is from a nice older dude whom I won't name in this instance with whom I correspond from time to time and to whom I would retort, Christmas exists, dude, like it's epistemically objective, irrespective of one's religious status. This holiday is going to happen, irrespective of one's orientation to any of the numerous sky fairies. So, despite being an atheist, that character flaw of requiring evidence in order to believe in something, suffered by the largest single religious category in the nation, according to the most recent census data and growing, I accept your wishes of safety and wonderfulness, although I'm not anticipating that much wonder during the break. Tiffany typically spends the holidays with her family. But isn't there some kind of code of conduct sprayed on the transparent ether out there? for wearing pants in public places. Just wondering. Thank you very much, Nadal, for bringing this uh, vital automotive issue to our attention. 
Transparent ether, not really my area of expertise, of course. That's more of an Albors thing. Etherexpert.com.au to learn more on that. My layman's perspective on this is, I just think people operate under the mass delusion that pants wearing is somehow mandatory. And I'm talking outer pants here too, incidentally. Commando is another topic entirely, perhaps for a completely different episode on a completely different channel. If trouser wearing were in fact mandatory, dude, I know I'm not alone when I say I really don't want the government in my pants. Get the government out of my pants. That's an election winning platform right there. Get ScoMo out of my pants. Get the beetrooter and his family ceremonial headdress out of my pants. Hashtag family values. And starchy Voldemort, how the hell did he get in there? Talk about an invasion of privacy. Jesus. Get the vegetables out of my pants. Stat. That would make Australia less shit, would it not? Future Prime Minister talking here. Over the past 18 months, I've actually watched a great many COVID briefings from those self-righteous and suddenly famous and empowered public service twats. Masks were mandatory, but pants, not so much. Never really came up, like, stop the spread. But there is sunburn to consider and the tripping hazard, obviously, just take personal responsibility, dude. Like, how hard is this? There's no need to rely upon graffiti on some invisible medium to know what to do. Just do the right thing. During the holidays, just try to wear your trousers as little as possible and try to tolerate your family and the neighbours because they're not enjoying this either. Furthermore, just because Levi's are selling them, it doesn't mean you have to become brainwashed and inculcated into feeling somehow compelled to wear trousers. Except if you're using an angle grinder or a welder. There's a good chap. 